When I see you smile at me, I hear a haunting melody, and I surrender to the tender thrill it brings. A holiday for strings, sweet music all around me. Softly as the song begins, I hear a host of violins, or can it only be my lonely heart that sings? A holiday for strings, because your love has found me. Oh, that's so great. Oh, what? Why? Oh, I didn't mean interrupt oh no we were just rehearsing for the talent show oh, i'm just so excited about my new religious name uh yeah let's get back to rehearsing wait wait a minute butch what new religious name lou well i went to butchie's dolgarian worship service and afterwards butchie gave me a secret religious name if it's secret and you don't have to tell me actually butchie said it's only secret from you Butchie. All right, you can tell him. It's faith heed. I think it means one who heeds the faith. What is it? Faith heed. And how do you spell that? F-A-T-H-E-A-D. Butchie. It came to me in a dream. Excelsior, you faith heed. Or something like that. Oh, Gibbon. Oh, that's a lesser ape. All right, well, let me start over again anyway. Categories. Names of beetles. Wait, 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 wait. Before anybody says shield bugger Ringo, which is it? Oh, never mind. I'll do something different. Categories. Names of Stooges. Dave Alexander. Shemp. You know what? Scratch that. I got one. Here you go. This is the best one. Categories. Names of Categories. Monkeys. Oh, I blow it already. Ah. It was Beatles. Beatles. If you should see any suspicious activity while riding the train, say something to one of the many train employees, and then they will do something about it. So if you see it, say something to the train employee. 
then the action switches, and they sort it. So see it, and you say it again to the train employee, and then they will sort it. See it, say it, sort it. And uh, we appreciate you doing really two-thirds of the security work on the train. It's fantastic. Thank you. So thank you for being both a patron and doing the lion's share of the vigilance. That's why we are not seeing or saying, really, of the, of the three monkeys, I'd say we're two of them. See nothing, say nothing. Well, we have to listen when you say it to us. So just letting you get back to your trip again to recap. See it. Say it. Say the thing you saw. Again, I'm sorry. I keep. I cannot control myself with adding parenthetical clarifications because it. All right. See it. Say it. Sort it. See it. Chapter one. The Bible tells us that when we see something that's wrong, we can't unsee it. So if it's an injustice or a lost item that needs to be returned, we can't pretend we didn't see it or we don't know the circumstances. This would be immoral. And you may not think that way. Say, oh, no, I believe in, uh, you know, screwing your fellow man and stealing from them. That's fine. That's a different uh, that's a different kind of morality in that. I guess that is a, it's completely valid for you. But I'm just saying, uh, and don't be afraid of the Bible. It can have things that are correct in it and not be your cuppa. So I'm just saying it says that let's say you are walking down the side of the road and you see a sweater and you know that it's Joyce's sweater. I know that's Joyce's sweater. I hate Joyce. I work with her. She's the type of person that microwaves uh, macaroni beef and Now, if you microwave beef and in a small office setting, that's hostile. That's almost like I feel like that's like leaving a cup of vomit on someone's desk. It's. It's uh, aggressively pungent. It's a, it's, it's a kind of a smell crime. And so uh, we all, and Joyce does other things too. And I'm not, I'm not for, you know, taking apart someone's character. But, you know, she's, she, uh, she gets other people in trouble at work for silly things. You know, like my friend, my friend uh, uh, Bobby, he sells Lucy's. He sells cigarettes in the break room because sometimes you say, oh, hey, you know, I just I don't even smoke. But, Bob, can I get a can I get like a palm oil off of you? And he goes, yeah. And, and they'll charge you something. And the only reason he's charging. See, this is what Joyce doesn't get. The only reason he's charging is trying to dissuade you. He's trying to dissuade you. Saying this is if you're willing to pay this, you got to take a hard look at your life if you're willing to pay that for one cigarette. So that's a kind of, and, and so we had this culture going on. Joyce is there. There's her sweater. Boo-hoo. But it's really not up to me. I don't do the punishing. I don't want to do the punishing. Oh, my goodness, what a burden that would be. 
Imagine if you woke up tomorrow and instead of being a cockroach like a normal person with an imagination, you were some kind of judge of the world and you had to everybody's character flaws came before you and you had to do something about it. And oh, see, that is not, that is not a burden that most of us have. But I'm seeing this sweater and I got to do something about it. And that can be an obvious thing like that, or you see someone being uh, victimized, and you can't pretend you didn't. You see something that's an injustice or a crime, and your little burns into your little eyes. Now, it's not to say that you're going to go to hell for, for doing nothing. That's not it. What it's showing you is that this is a, a, a great connected web of doing things. And if any part of you wants your sweater returned. If any part of you wants your sweater returned, you must return Joyce, the offensive Joyce's sweater. And I don't want to do this, but I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to smell it because I'm going to see what kind of smell, 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 I Yiddishized it, kind of smell that she's used to. Because maybe, you know, she's, maybe that's normal for her. I remember as a child, you'd walk into people's houses. And this is where I think if you could smell like the Leave it to Beaver house, the added dimension would be pork chop. Because I remember going into people's houses as a kid and you would, they just looked like some of them out of a magazine. And, but they smelled like pig flesh which is fine. I'm not judging. I'm just saying that it was a, everybody was frying up everything, I guess. And it would waft often down the street. You know, when you're playing, you go, someone's having pork chops. I don't know who's having pork chops every evening, whether the houses are switching around. But I would be playing in the street, and it's someone's dinner time. And a lot of times that they didn't even need to ring the dinner bell or yell for you. You just smell it and run. Not me. I'd say, what a good God, I, I don't know that I was ever satisfied with any dinner I ever had as a child. I always remember being pretty reluctant about most of them. Because occasionally there would be some sort of fun food. You, could, you know, maybe somebody will die and I'll have some kind of fun food. But um, my grandmother's cooking was earnest and dated. You know, so she was, uh, she was a couple decades behind in food trends. And that was fine, I, but it just didn't, and my, my grandfather didn't seem to mind. So I just ate what I served. But boy, I tell you, once I gained, once I, I, I realized I could get, I can get my own. Once I had, a, I had a car, I had a job as a teen, and I was able to uh, get this car. And then I went to court. Food court, that is. I discovered I could just, there was nobody like guarding the school, and you could just literally get in your car, drive to the food court. I'd think that. I'd go, you know, instead of class, you know it'd be good? A slice. A slice be nice. I think, y'all, city, I envy the city. That's imagine how my New, my New York hardy would have been. I'm ditching class. Something like that. And then I'd go for, I'm going for a slice. And then, oh, Lord, I wouldn't have gotten my degree. I barely, 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 barely graduated high school. People don't think that. They say, oh, I think you're just pretending. No, no. I wish I could. I don't want to bring on an old high school classmate because I'm afraid of being mortified 
humiliated. But um, I can assure you that I was not a great student. Even though I was curious, I was still curious. My curiosity simply never coincided with the school's attempt to satisfy it. It was always, the timing was always a little off. So let's say I'd be interested in astronomy or something, just not when they wanted me to be. And this happened with almost every subject. Even math, you know, later I came to, it was like, I'm, wow, math is fascinating. By that time, you know, it's like, say, I want to be uh, a violinist, but I've already cut off all my fingers and sold them to science. That's the way it was with math. I said, but now it's too late. You should have been paying attention when you were like nine. That's when you first checked out. I know, but it got hard. I, I know when I, I abandoned math was eight times tables. Because I was doing fine. Up to five, you think you're a genius. And then it gets all, God. I, you know, maybe some of them I know, but I don't know. I still have to think about like eight times eight or eight times seven. What's that? I, go, <laughs> I don't know. I, gotta, I can think it. I can noodle it out. But it's not like five times five or something. And bless y'all, yes, I can work out a tip. Thank God I'm not being ostracized from society. And bowling scores I can do pretty much, but nothing else. I could not calculate getting a rocket anywhere. You know, I, I'm, I'm sorry. So, so I guess that makes me, hopefully that makes me, uh, well, they're not going to draft me at my age anyway. And I just got, I've got very beginning of cataracts, as do most uh, people my age. So, um why people go all cloudy-eyed in their 50s and 60s. I think that's great. And, um, you know, the, the world takes on a... Um, you just... People fool around with you. Say, oh, yeah, that painting looks in focus. And they know it's not. You say They just say, oh, that's you're doing Impressionism. You go, what now? I like that. Oh, blessed. We, oh, a lot of us get so much grace. I'm so glad for that. So I guess what I'm saying with the smells and the seeing is not see it, smell it, uh, dealt it, sell it, or whatever. It's, um, what is similar to that, though? But it, is, it does have to do with what is my responsibility once I have seen something? And uh, what's this idea of unseeing and forgetting on purpose? And can you do it? It has to do not really with some kind of external thing, but your own heart. You know, if you lie to yourself, that's the basis of the turmoil. I have never thought that my show would be very good for a lot of psychopaths, but they enjoy the puns. But for them, the, the, that would not be a problem, you know. But I'm saying how not to get haunted by your own moral choices, you know. So you don't have to be a better person than you are. Just, you know, be the one that's already in your heart. And that has to do, I think, just, you know, uh, if you've been shown love, you know there's something eating in you to, to return it. If you haven't, not so much, maybe. Oh, but bless you anyway. What does your house smell like? We sell uh, many products these days to disguise and mask odor. In fact, there's always 
say maybe you, there's an ad. This is a tell about talk about gaslighting. Uh, this is gas smelling or something. There's an ad that says your house smells nasty, but maybe you can't smell it anymore because you're nose blind. But that doesn't mean that your house doesn't smell repulsive just because you can't smell it. Now, what the heck? So you need this product. Well, my house doesn't smell. Oh, because you've gone nose blind, you poor sight. Spray it down anyway. It stinks of cabbage and, you know, gas. I don't know, man. You know, that's odd to me. And, and even if you were young and you were learning about marketing, you know that there's uh, that inherent in advertising is the uh, goal of making you feel deficient. So the deficiency can be filled by, oh, coincidentally, whatever I'm selling. So, um, so let's say, I say, oh, I feel like you don't know any magic tricks says Marshall Brodeen before selling you his TV magic cards or something. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't go that deep. But the smell thing, every, I know they want to convince you that you smell bad. Nine times out of ten, that's probably true. But, uh, you know, um, they, they tried to make... Uh, so, you know, correlation is not causation. So just because you smell bad, that might not be the reason that you're not popular. It might be more than that, like your personality. Uh, it... So um, your, your B.O. may be an emergent property of being unlikable. They sell many products to mask these smells, but what are these smells that we're trying to cover up? Are some of them the smells of our mistakes, for instance? Let's say that we make products or something that emit an odor, and so we live in a, uh, an environment of, of plasticky emissions. Or maybe, you know, we secretly don't like the food we eat. And uh, the next day it doesn't smell too good to us. It could be that. Maybe we don't like our own body odor. That's all context, isn't it? I mean, sometimes it's, uh, it's okay. Sometimes maybe not. And depend who it is and, you know, just how much cumin they had or whatever. I eat things that come through my pores. I know that because I enjoy a lot of spicy foods. And I'm I'm sure that, you know, that makes me, you know, not the best summer subway person. But uh, I don't know, in the cold, maybe you can't smell much. And that would be, that's I'm watching a, a True Detective and it's set in Alaska in the middle of the night, which goes on for a long time. And it's very frightening, but I don't, I can't smell anything. And that's A, it's a television show. B, I'm not, I don't know about odors in the, I'm from, as you know, I've spent most of my life in, uh, well, I don't know now, I haven't recalculated. It seemed like Florida, but now I think I've been outside of Florida longer than in it. But, you know, I came all my formative years with Florida, and Florida, a lot of parts of Florida are just, uh, rotting it's in state of putrefaction both the inhabitants and the flora it just seems to be it's jungly 
parts of it, you know? And things are rotting and breaking down in a wonderful way. I mean, that's the way that the earth gets its uh, nutrients and everything and recycles. You know, things die and they start to rot and go back in the ground. It's just Florida gets to the rotting and going back in the ground. Kind of sometimes they skip the dying stage. And so the living are doing that too. And uh, it, all, it contributes to a strange mindset often. And there's parts of Florida that are uh, interesting because they are almost entirely psychotic. And I love that. I love that about a whole, how can y'all, how'd y'all find one another? I don't think that's it. I think it's the environs. I think it's the geology of it. There's, if you go in to uh, Captain Kurt's uh, jungle and uh, Colonel Kurtz, I was going to call him Colonel Mertz, like he's Court Schwitters. Um, if you go into Colonel Kurtz's jungle, you go insane like Colonel Kurtz. And that's what I'm saying. Is there's some places we think that, oh, all places are habitats for humans. But really, Orlando, the moon, the bottom of the ocean, I can think of a lot of places that are not. So there you have it. And bless all, bless human beings for their potential. Here's something I've always thought about. Here's a good argument that as individuals we're sort of like pointless but when we're plugged in to a bigger thing with others, we make more sense. And that is the way that we talk about our history and things. And really, we include people who are already dead and yet to be born. Well, we, you know, we're humans, we've discovered the... Excuse me? What do you mean we? I don't think you've done anything. So we feel like, you know, uh, collective reward, collective punishment for being a human being. We get that. And we do think, you know, are we going to ever get to the, to, you know, to the stars? We, you know, that's a, that's very, very optimistic thinking, I think. And uh, that's a wonderful thing. But uh, I believe that it's because we know. That we need one another and we only make sense to one another. I know that because I sit by myself a lot. But then occasionally, WFMU will say, hey, Hardy, we need this from you, that from you. Then I do a thing. But I can't think of anything to do if somebody doesn't need me to do it. And then if you do things on spec, <laughs> that's the way I think. A lot of us do things on spec. So I'm making art. No, nobody, nobody wants it. Nobody asks you. Well, that's weird. I know, but I mean, if nobody asked you to do it, why, why would you think that they want it? I really, really do wait till I'm asked. Well, how do they know you're good at a thing? This is problematic. Some things you have to do on spec, but then you don't have, don't have any expectations, uh, I guess. Because really, it just, once you have a job, it's moot, you know, because well, now you have a a purpose. You say, this is horrible. Yeah, but it's a purpose. You wanted a purpose. And that's really what purpose is. Purposelessness is wonderful too. And we can do that sometimes or, you know, just pretend and find new ones when we're on vacation. But uh, when you say you want one, it really is just dependent on other. You can come up with a bunch of ways to do it. It doesn't have to be professional. You can have a, a purpose that's... Uh, 
uh, very small, like the cats need petting at the at the shelter or something. That's a purpose. But there's all sorts of uh, degrees of being needed or being integrated into others so that you can all accomplish something together or at least do something or be occupied together. And that seems to be just experientially that whether it makes any sense or not, it doesn't matter. I'm telling you, experientially, it's the way to go. You make, you banish one type of existential uh, loneliness or, or, or confusion. It won't make you undepressed necessarily because then you've got to deal with other people and how depressing. But it'll take care of that whole purpose thing. You know, somebody needs something. I've talked about that, those uh, folks in the, in the Oliver Sacks book, Awakenings. And they have, they're kind of paralyzed by some kind of Parkinsonian thing. But, and they can't initiate action, but they can respond to action. And uh, I don't know whether it's ADD or what, but my friends and I, a lot of us have this. I have to call people up and I have to go, you know, uh, you're, a, you're a musician. You should make, um, make music. Okay, you're right. You're a filmmaker. Should we make a movie? Yeah, I guess we should. That kind of thing. So, uh, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, you know. A lot of people have said, you know, I've been on jobs that have creative uh, 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 things. And it's being with others. That's the fun part, doing it together. I feel like that, too. Just uh, helping a friend move um, is wonderful. Knowing they may not be able to help you move, that that's yeah. completes the analogy to a job. <laughs> there may be no real reward from this. It may be it's... Oh, it's just, and there is really reward is the experience. You better get it now. I take my reward immediately. So my pay, whether it's you know money, and I can't have much control about, but I'm gonna get my experiential reward right away. I'm not gonna wait for it. I don't like doing things where you go that'll pay off later and you'll feel better. I don't want to put myself through something that that miserable. See it. Then what? Say it. Chapter 2. Why tell you anything? Why share a story unless I have some sort of uh, unspoken agenda or reason? Why would I be telling you this story unless I wanted something from you? Why involve you in the details of someone's action or experience unless I want you to do something about it? I remember as a child, my mother would read me like a Three Little Pigs or something. And every once in a while, I'd interject and say, Is it, do you, you, what, what am I supposed to do about it? Is there something I, you want me to do about it? Because I felt like now that I know what they're going through, are you implying that I should be helping the little pigs or educate them about uh, safety or frivolousness or being uh, short-sighted? Or I don't even know. I'm interested as an adult about where people build things, you know, because environmentally I don't like uh, the watershed to be uh, disturbed or polluted. And so, you know, uh, I have an opinion. And maybe that comes from the three little pigs involved, you know, code. Should there be code? Or am I, 
am I obligated to do anything now that I know about the pigs? And this was the way for a lot of stories. And eventually my mother stopped telling me stories. She goes, I'm not going to bother. Why am I bothering to do this? Because I want to know about, is Black, is Black Beauty going to get home or Blue Beauty? Oh, bless you all. The listeners go, you, you always say Blue Beauty. I do, Black Beauty. I'll tell you that because my Black, black Beauty the, I got maybe it's Disney or something. It was a m movie, and I had a record album of a story record as a child. Except the I believe the animal on it was blue. M much like all the pictures of the racehorse man of war. So I don't know if that's the same universe. But uh, so then when I started the radio show, I might have said blue blue a couple times or black black blue is hard to say. And I can, it's hard enough to say Black Blue but Blue Blue is even harder. Friends, this is Hardy White. I am saying it. Oh, do you say it like it is or tell it like it is? I say, say, say. Say. I like how say used to be uh, an interjection. You know, say. That's my hat. I wonder how that goes. Like, why? Why? I didn't lend it to you. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but um, I'm the. What can we do? Can't our generation say, how about just? Just? That isn't my car. No, that doesn't. Does that quite work? Um, I don't know. We'll work it out. It can't be something too crazy. About? About? I ought to pound you. I don't know. We'll think about it. Let's think about it. I'm just saying things. I'm just saying and uh, putting it out there, contributing. And I think the origin of that expression is that I'm not asking you to do anything. You know, I'm not critiquing you. I'm not demanding a change. I'm just saying. And then and now it's up to you. Ball is in your court. I'm just saying is verbal pickleball. Hit it back if you want to. If you don't want to, don't have to. Oh, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, maybe we don't need the G. I don't think we need the G at the end of words anymore. And I don't think we need the apostrophe if you're going to leave it out. I think that's like keeping, keeping pictures of your ex. It's just get rid of the G or put the G there. But the apostrophe is like... Can I, you know, remember something missing? Oh, no, no. Make a clean break. Right? Thinking. Working. No, don't forget the apostrophe. Besides, if you have to hit the shift key on your phone to hit some kind of symbol or anything, who's got time for that? I don't. Not in this world where I got a lot of things to get done. Um... Most we spend a lot of time just getting unscammed, you know, as hard. Say, oh, someone stole my stuff again, or I'm being victimized. I love it. I love being on. It gives a whole new vulnerability, the internet. You know, it used to be just you know your house. I want to get my house robbed. Put bars on the window. Say so now I'm gonna take. I think I'm gonna take all my things and I'm just gonna scatter them to the wind. Maybe I'll put a little beeping device on them so I know where they are, and then there you go. And they're harder to keep track of. So I'm, I, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it, you know. I like being able to 
to say something silly and then get a picture of it. I want a toaster with a a, a booty on it, and uh, it's wearing a hat like a Curtis George hat. And it's uh, uh, drooling. I don't know, but I'm, I'm fun, fun. What are you going to do? And I'll uh, tell you why it would make, why would it, would that be not frivolous in any context? Yes, making your friends laugh. So then it is pointless. It's not pointless then. You know, it brings joy, bring joy. It brought joy. Bring it. I'm bringing. What are you bringing? I'm thinking of bringing chips. Well, you better check what kind, what people mean by chips. What a limiting word. You see, there's another drawback to saying, and that is that the minute you say something, you give it a word, you limit it. And no longer is it infinite in its dimensions because I've said what it is. What do you think that is? A cup? Well, I guess it is now. Now we can't, you know, you've, you've frozen it. It's that thing. The minute you say something, it freezes like that as what you just defined it. And we've done, we can do that with people too. You know, and then that's, it's gone. Your ability to actually see is gone by your saying. You've obscured your vision with your own words. So I try sometimes to think wordlessly. But here's it. Here's another thing. And I think that, um, I think that you understand this about art. And that is that the words and the stories and what I'm saying are pointless. You can see what the real meaning is through my feelings or my sincerity. And you can perceive that because you're another human. And most of us are equipped with an ability to feel and sense the emotions of somebody else. So it wouldn't really matter what words I say to you if I'm really feeling and expressing something to you sincerely. Maybe then it'll transmit. I mean, if you want it, you don't have to. It doesn't get in uh, against your will. I'm not going to say something touching or, or, or heart-rending or something. If you don't want to feel it, you won't feel it. Good. Maybe you can't right now. I got my own heart-rending. All right. I'm doing it over here. Okay. You don't need mine. Not really. So, but uh, that's when I try to go more on the uh, tickle you or make you feel better than the heart-rending. I think we get enough of that. You know, you know how I feel about uh, emergency room shows. Why are you showing me this? I have to go there sometimes. I'm not, uh, uh, you know, ugh, just got back from the emergency room with my mom, and I'm, I think I'm going to watch ER. Yeah, I don't think so. And that's not relaxing to me. Um, but the opposite can be true. Say, so, oh, I just got back from sitting peacefully in a meditation spot. I think I'll watch True Detective. Something like that, or something more, oh, if there's something more violent. Yes. Uh, Flintstones, something like that. I am now putting labels on things, but at the same time, I'm using a technique where I put the wrong labels on things. 
would you do that? Because if I say something's a cup and it isn't, you must go on a poetic journey to try to find either whether it really is or whether it really isn't. You must explore things. You must open your eyes and look around. If I tell you that the rain on the roof is music, then you listen for a while and try to hear musicality and either reject what I've said or accept it. Okay. Get back to telling stories. I like when you tell stories about growing up on the farm. Oh, when I grew up on the farm, sometimes we'd have to get up very early to collect all the poo. We sold poo only. We'd, uh, we sold cow poo. And so, believe it or not, we would just throw the milk away. We would just milk the cows and then just pour it into the stream because we were really interested in their waste. And their urine we sold to a uh, popular soda company. I'm not even going to tell you which one. But um, it was all backwards. Everything was upside down. Most of the farm was in a sinkhole, which was scary, lovely, being a big pit. And the things that we grew in there were things that would normally grow in a, a sinkhole. So swampy things and everything. And we found uses for them. And the animals were wonderful because they never really ran away because the banks of the sinkhole were too steep. And uh, almost kind of uh, uh, arched back like a velodrome or something. So if the cows, even if it ran real fast, trying to run up the side, they would flip over on themselves and do a complete somersault and land where they started. You've never seen a cow so surprised as when it does that, does a loop-de-loop. And uh, we lived in there on the farm for uh, so many years. And then we lived on a mountain. Uh, isn't that funny? We went from living in a hole in the ground to a top of a mountain. Now you think that must have been wonderful. Well, no, it was a very sharp. It was a very sharp peak at the mountain. It wasn't one of those flat neck hills. I think it was probably oh maybe one foot square. Because you know they come to a. It's not sharp. It looks sharp from a distance, but it's uh, it's like a foot. It's blunt and it's like a foot square. And we would. Uh, take turns standing on it because the whole family couldn't be on it at once. And I would just stand there and I felt like, I feel like I'm Henry Clay standing on that big uh, pillar over his grave. Henry Clay is on like an 80-foot column. A statue is of him. I don't even know if it's a good statue because you, you can't even see it with binoculars. I don't even know what the point of it is. You can see it from a distance. But see, from a distance you can't tell it's Henry Clay. At no point does it really need to be a statue of Henry Clay on that huge column over his grave. I've always thought that. I go, I can't see it. You can't see it. Are we allowed to use drones in the graveyard? No. Then um, we're never going to see his... I wonder if it's secretly Andrew Jackson. That'd be funny if somebody played a trick on him. They didn't like one another. Because um, they were two different types of psychopaths. And Sometimes those don't, you know, how it is. It's just like uh, honey and water. I think that's it. Oh, my goodness. I say a lot of things. I'm not the, probably the best person to do this. Um, and why is that? Because I don't know that I have a lot to say. Chapter 3. Sort it. Sort it out. Now, 
in uh, England, they'll say, a lot of people learned this from Harry Potter. Harry Potter is sort of the, um, that's like Monty, Monty Python of my, of my time, because that's how we learned Britishisms or British history. So they'd make fun of, an, of a member of parliament or something and say, oh yeah, or an old prime minister. And now people get it from Harry Potter. The only difference really being that the Harry Potter world is, has a lot of fictitious people in it. So I don't know, I've got it, you know, you can have it memorized, but there may not really be a Dumbledore. <clears throat> but the expressions they use, the actors and everything, are from uh, Great Greater Britain. And they, so they use, you know, say things like sorted. It's sorted. And we just think that means like, oh, like socks. And they go, yeah. But, and they'd be like, we use it more broadly. And they'd say, how so? And say, so it's, it's worked out. We've worked it out. Oh, we worked it out. Figured it out. It's, um, done. Solved. Right? Sorted. Sorted, see, to us sounds like just a stage where there's two more that would would complete the task. So sorted does not imply finality. It's like, oh, you've gotten to the sorting stage. Now now are you going to categorize them and and then contain them? So uh, that's what that means. So if you're going to sort of work it out, figure it out, solve it, if you're looking to solve something, I don't know. Uh, what is that? Uh, nothing is solved. Uh, solving is good and necessary as long as you realize it's temporary. Everything is solved from scientific problems. Everything gets unsolved at some point. There's something, additional piece of information that requires some resolving. But if a crime's solved, crimes are solved enough for punishment. They're never solved uh, to the point where you can understand why that happened, because that is of no one's concern. And yet, that seems like the biggest concern. Well, uh, why can't uh, we have no mechanism for figuring out why things keep happening? Or I guess we do, but we don't like that. Because once uh, there's punishment involved, we feel it is sorted. So you have uh, 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 something... Uh, a matter of justice or some moral question and you stop at the punishment stage say like, well it's sorted now that person's been arrested okay well I guess there'll be no more muggings but uh, it's difficult to to really deeply sort to sort at the next level to sort our feelings and all causes for things our responsibility Oh, my goodness. Are you saying I'm responsible for those things? I don't want to be responsible for those things. Listen, oh, my goodness, so much self-examination and even examination of, uh, of cultural societal things is blocked by fear of being blamed for it. Oh, are you saying I'm doing this? Oh, I'm saying it's happening. Can we look and see? Maybe it's, you know... I don't know. Maybe it's you. Are you saying that the odor's coming from me? Oh, don't you have to be scared or mad or anything? We're just trying to solve things. I guess it's the fear of blame. Oh, a lot of finger pointing. And then it becomes very difficult to solve things. 
because there's a lot of busy punishing. And that is why, collectively, we never solve anything, because punishment feels like sorting and like we're done. All right. I want Hardy White off the air. Yeah, you can kick me off the air if you don't like me, but that's not going to solve your core problem. Oh, well, maybe it will. But, oh, many will pop up in my uh, place. That's why you don't cut out your own wart. You have somebody have a professional burn it out with acid. What? I don't know, man. I'm just trying to be helpful. Maybe by the end of the show, things will be sorted out a little bit for you. But I doubt it. I think that that's another thing with, um, uh, I don't want to have, oh my, bless your heart. This is the most self-conscious show that's ever been. There's been, there's nothing more meta. The show is, uh, is about itself so much. It's, uh, it's a Moebius strip going up its own butt. It's like, they ever see hot, uh, Popeye? And some, Popeye can contort himself in some unreal ways because of the damage done to his bones by um, chemical weapons in World War I. He was exposed to lewisite, and so now his bones are made of, of gelatinous material. But he can also do these things where he puts his head between his legs, and I guess, I don't know if it actually goes into his anus, but he kind of turns himself inside out. I don't know how he does it. And uh, there's YouTubers who do it now on these 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 uh, exercise ones, contortionists and everything. Stand on their head, and he can turn himself inside out like that. Oh my goodness! Our I'm asking, are we, uh, aren't we a little like Popeye when we try to really solve for X? when we should just be uh, looking at it. No, I don't know. I don't know if I'm giving you good advice. I think it's bad advice. But, you know, you don't have to be. I was once told, don't worry, Hardy. Be yourself. A bad example is as useful as a good example. You know? You can be, it's a, you know what? Are, what's a nice tale? A cautionary tale. And you can be that, an embodiment of it. Isn't that beautiful? So don't be me. I want to have a show. This is, I think I read this in the, there was a book about the beginning of Saturday Night Live and how it was being pitched. I don't know who pitched it, Buck Henry, or I don't even know. But um, they were pitching Saturday Night Live and um, they said, or Lauren Michaels, I guess, he said, not... The Carol Burnett Show. Now that's that's a big wow. There's a lot that's not the Carol Burnett Show, but I can see I see what they meant. But defining yourself negatively is interesting, isn't it? I know what this show. I'll tell you what. I want to show it is not Hardy White. I've listened to Miracle Nutrition now. Is this on, Mr. Mayor? Other members of the City Council. Uh. My name is uh, Billy Blauyob, and I'm here to speak against Hardy White and the so-called Miracle Nutrition. I've listened to this show now 
uh, for over a decade. Every every episode, some of them four or five times, and it's garbage. I've memorized it. I'm lifting. I'm right now. I'm in a van outside of Hardy's home, and I just I can't stop staring. I hate it so much. And then, uh, uh, so I just I'm here to speak out and say that I would like to an ordinance saying all shows have to be not this one which is already what they're doing at, at at FMU. I think that's wonderful. The WFMU has has this policy where almost all the shows aren't mine. And that is so neat. And I'm participating in that for some of the other shows. You promise not to be the other shows. I promise. And so I don't. And that's why some people like some and not others. Because we've all agreed to be different, and uh, the minute you start are, that we're the same, mm, that's a problem. Um, I was going to my original when I first got on. I was going to be a character called um, called uh, think think. I already know what I want to say, but now I'm thinking when I want to say it out loud. No, I was going to say lo- loam pigeon. I was trying to think of something that's not clay. But that's a different, is that a different kind of clay? Loam? Is loam something? Loam? Is loam, it's like a soil, loam? Loam? Can you look it up? Um, There's other things like that. Pipe clay. No, that says clay in it. Um, I don't know. There's lots of, lots of different soils. And I'm, I'm not here to name them all. I'm trying to think there's a real fine clay. Fuller's earth? Fuller's Earth? Pigeon? No, no, it would have to be different than pigeon. It have to be a different type of bird. So, uh, Fuller's Earth Canary. That's nice. And if you oh, these are all band names. No, they're not. Um, the best band names are, write this down, your name plus the word band. That's it. That from now on, that's going to catch on, I bet. Isn't that fun? Or B-A-N-N-E-D, because you can make it seem like nobody wants your music, like your, like your Two Live Crew. That's so funny. I was, remember when they banned Two Live Crew, I was like, oh, thank God. Um, but then I realized, oh, wait now. I think we just, uh, you know, we, maybe we just both got it right, me and the bad guys. But that's all right. Oh, bless you. Oh, bless all of you. I love it. I love it when all people say things. And I don't have to listen. Sometimes they, if they scream it in my ear, I do. And I understand that. And that's a blessing too. I, if I didn't have my uh, senses, then they couldn't be assaulted. So occasionally I understand that, you know, go to a noise show, Hardy. No. I am, uh, what kind of sounds do you like when you're out? Well, it's really rough for me because I still have a sh- my attention span is as short as it was when I was a young person. But like maybe my tolerance for discomfort or something may be lower. Um, I still love being confused. I like to be around other people who are uncomfortable and be comfortable. That's fun. Like watching something cringy with people and not cringing. And they are. I like that feeling. Um, 
gosh, I don't know, so much. Are we dating? I don't even know. I don't think so. Uh, I hope, oh my goodness, I hope not. This is enough. The radio show's enough. Um, when I was a, uh, when I was about, I guess I was 16 because I think I drove. I, was, I took a, a young lady out on a date to a steakhouse and she didn't want to eat in front of anybody. She was afraid to eat in front of, and she didn't tell me this until after, you know, she ordered a thing that she had no business, she wasn't going to eat or take home. And uh, at the time, I was working for like $3 an hour, like weeding uh, by hand. So I don't know. That uh, was uh, disappointing. I said, please, you know, can I have it? Or, what I, you know, it's okay if you eat. But that's drove me into radio. I said, now, because I want to be able to talk, I want to be able to have dinner with people like that. You know, bless you, you have fears and insecurities. I can't now. I can't see you. We can talk. I can talk, which that's my thing. You can eat, which everybody wants to do eventually. And then there's no self consciousness or expectations. Oh, I like to do art that has no expectations or anything. I like to defy them or betray them is sometimes nice. But expectations, you know, can be very uh, can be very bad. Um, sometimes if you expect a good thing and you're really counting on it. You know, uh, it's hard not to expect it. Like, you know, I really expect the uh, the wedding venue I've just booked to not you know, spontaneously combust or something. But you must realize that you barely know what's going on. All this control is an illusion. Oh, I think our knowledge is probably that. But there's some things that really just are undeniably real. And, uh, and talking people out of them is impossible. And pain and pleasure are kind of two things like that. You can't tell them you're not feeling that. And I don't want to. And I don't know what's going on with your internal life either. So I'm not going to tell you what you're really feeling or not feeling, whether you're in pain or whether you're not. Oh, my goodness, I'm so glad that's not for me. But what I do like to do is be in close proximity to other humans, maybe engaged in an activity. Are you feeling well enough to, and then let's say, fold these things all together. What are we folding? Little flags. Why? Because we're giving them away. What are they flags of? I don't know. You've really you've asked questions into a corner. What's a fun little what's a fun little flag? They say uh kiss me kiss me I'm impish. Flags. What? I don't know, man. But we're giving them for charity. They cheer people up something. We're going to a uh Do you ever mistakenly call a retirement home a funeral home? We're going to my other, I've done that a couple times. Yeah, I'm doing some uh going to be playing guitar in a funeral home. What? I mean, a retire, I don't know, convalescent center. I don't know what they're called. Oh, mercy. I'm so glad we had this time together. Oh, I'm glad that we can spend this time on earth here amongst each other, looking at the sky, listening to bands, Asking why, oh, why is Hardy on the air? Has Ken lost his mind? He did. He did briefly. 
in the, um, I think he thinks I'm somebody else and he's too embarrassed. But I don't know. We'll never know. But bless you. Who knows? I don't want to question things if they turn out right. I can't wait to see many of you in person coming up in, in March. That's almost freaking me out. I love it. I have such a show prepared for you uh, during the marathon. So um, if you get your tickets, how? I don't know, man. Somebody on the comments will say something. But uh, this one is a multimedia show, so I'm very excited about that. What kind of media? I don't know yet. No, I do. Uh, pictures and um, moving pictures, still pictures, and sounds. That that kind of media. Oh. So, it's pre-recorded. In fact, I won't even be there. No, I'm totally be there. Somebody has to press start. I feel like a D, like a, the kind of DJ that's just pretending to do things. No, it's not like that. There's me. I'm saying lots of things. And then just to visit with you is going to be so wonderful. I love standing on the sidewalk in front of Money Hall talking to you and say, Oh, well, I guess not getting back. No, I wish there was some place we could all... Um, Somebody rent some ballroom or something while I'll go over there and hang out afterwards. I get a little tired, so I'll need, like, something, coffee or no drugs or anything. But, you know, maybe we'll have to dance or something to wake up. Um, so or food. Oh, my goodness. That'll, like, eat to stay up. I'd love to eat to stay awake. That's one of my favorite things. So, um, why wow, now I'm hungry. Okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. You should have dinner anyway. Are you almost home? Almost pulling into the driveway. Isn't that weird? It's so weird how it's just right at the end of the show. Sometimes, Hardy, I have to sit in my car for a few minutes. The neighbors think I'm crazy. No, they don't. They just think you're trying to, uh, I don't know, not go in or something. A lot of people just sit in their cars. That doesn't mean you're crazy anymore. All right. I'm laughing. A friend used to say that. He'd say, oh, sometimes I'm listening, I'm listening in the car in the parking lot or the food co-op. And I'm laughing out loud, and people think I'm nuts. But see, I don't think they do. I think, oh, that person's listening to like a comedy podcast or something. Wouldn't they think that? I think it takes more to be thought nuts now. I think you really got to make an effort. Because now people walk down the street like talking to no one and making, now they have goggles on, gesturing to no one and everything like that. And then they're not mad. They just uh, have uh, weird values. So I, I believe that it's it's harder to, to mistake your joy for madness now. So go for it. Laugh out loud. Oh, I'm so blessed that we're friends. I hope that I've touched your heart in some way. Not enough to make it a rhythmic, just to, you know, ah, it's like touching an eyeball, touching a heart. I mean figuratively. I mean I've brought you a little joy or a respite uh, sucker from your um, suffering. And I do love you. I don't know you, but I, you're a human being. And so I... I it's a little combination of love and pity. You know, just like mayonnaise and ketchup, special sauce. I love you so much. You are listening to Miracle Nutrition on WFMU, uh, East Orange, WMFU, Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County, in New York City, New York, and online at WFMU.org, worldwide, freeform radio. The way that it was originally done freely form free formally oh bless you i'll see you again next week
Ebony. Twins' name was Ebony. Her name was Mahogany. Twins' name was Ebony. Twins' name was Ebony. Her name was Mahogany. 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 Twins' name was Ebony.